I want you to go ahead and uh, open your Bibles today to uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's page 296 if you're using the Pew Bible. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. We're going to kind of be entering into a story that's kind of already been going on, so I'm going to give you a little bit of the background uh, information into what we're going to look at today. So uh, Israel was, was God's uh, chosen people, and he brought them out of uh, Egypt and slavery and, and through the wilderness and, and into the promised land, and um, they had always kind of been uh, governed or led by prophets, a series of prophets, and finally the people kind of looked around and saw that these other nations had kings, and they told God, well, we want a king too. So God gave, gave them King Saul, and while Saul was leading... He went about the process of, of choosing the next uh, king, who was going to be king one day, and the person that he chose was a guy named David, and many of you know a little bit about David. Maybe he was a, a shepherd boy. He was the, the youngest of, of many sons and, and probably the least likely to be chosen. Uh, if you just looked at things from the world's standpoint, he was kind of the runt, the puny guy uh, at the end who, who, who took sandwiches to his brothers who were out fighting uh, the wars. And so, but he is chosen and you know, kind of has a pretty good run of success there for a while. He, he kills Goliath, you know, with a slingshot, and, and God uses him as a military leader under Saul to go out and win a lot of military victories over the enemies of Israel, and then eventually he becomes king. And uh, so in that process, the Israelites have been kind of a wandering nation for a long time, and they have this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant contained... Uh, the tablets that God gave Moses uh, with the Ten Commandments. So the original Ten Commandments are in this ark, and the people of Israel carry it with them as a sign of God's presence and God's favor and take it into battle. And, and they stepped into the Jordan River, and it dried up with the ark. And so this is a, a very important um, you know, spiritual, religious artifact. And, and David's desire and heart as they kind of you know, create a space for themselves by pushing these enemies out. And in Jerusalem, he's like, God, I want to build you a temple, a house of worship, um, so that we can put the ark in there and people can come and, and do the sacrifices and, and we can worship you there. And God says to David, no. He says, you know, you've, you've got too much blood on your hands. You've, you've been fighting too much. You're too much of a, of a warrior king, which is fine. That was your role. But I've got a different role for the next guy, your son, Solomon. He's going to be the one that I'm going to allow to build the temple. And so David, as he gets to the very end of his life and his reign, where he's about ready to turn things over to his son, Solomon, he calls all of the leaders of Israel together uh, for a meeting. And uh, he lets them know, hey, I wanted to build this temple. God said, no, my son Solomon's going to do it. God has given me a vision, kind of the blueprints for what this temple's going to look like. So here I'm giving it to you, you know, build it like this. And then kind of at the end of that time, he says, and here's my financial commitment to this project. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pledge this amount because I believe in, in what we're doing here and I want to see this temple built. And so today, as we head into this a little bit, we're going to see kind of people, how, how people reacted to that. But as a leader, what David was trying to do was he was trying to set the tone 
uh, for generosity. And why wouldn't he? I mean, God had been uh, incredibly gracious and shown him so much favor, and especially in the light of, of some of the mistakes he made. And, and we sang uh, a couple of psalms this morning uh, that David wrote, and that last one, um, you know, is in Psalm 51, and it talks about, uh, it's right after David's adulterous sin is kind of brought to the surface, and, and God is, is merciful to him, and he's confessing his sins to him. And, and so out of the overflow of what God had done in his life, David was, was happy to give. And just so that you know, my wife Kristen and I, um, you know, we helped start this church, and, and we faithfully give to Wellspring. And again, the question is for me is like, why wouldn't I? Um, God intervened in Kristen and I's life when we were in high school and kind of brought us out of darkness into light and has done so much to change and transform me and the person that I am, um, buffed off a lot of the rough edges in in my personality and character, um, has, has blessed our marriage, um, our kids, uh, given us purpose and all those things. So for us, it's a privilege to give and especially it's a privilege to give here at Wellspring, because we believe in this church and, and what we're doing here. We see the lives that are being transformed and changed, people that are being healed, um, the way that God is using and raising up um, young people and their gifts and talents and using them to build his kingdom here. And so it is a joy for us to do that. And in addition to that, we also know that there are still so many people out in St. Joseph who need this kind of community who need a place like Wellspring to come on Sunday morning to hear the truth, to experience community and love and all those things that, that we get to benefit from each and every Sunday. So I want to be a part of providing that place um, where God can meet even those folks as well. So, so after David makes this pledge, look at how the leaders of Israel respond. And this is what I'm going to have you do. You're going to do some work this morning. So... Um, what I want you to do is if you've got a program this morning, you can get that out. You can grab a pen. There's pins in the front of your pew or get some paper out of, out of uh, your purse or somebody who has a purse in your row. Or maybe you have a man purse. I don't know. And what I want you to do is uh, right there in First Chronicles chapter 29, I want you to read verses 6 through 17. <clears throat> okay, First Chronicles 29 verses 6 through 17. And what I want you to do is I want you to jot down what you see there uh, about what our attitude or our motives should be towards giving, okay? So write down what our attitudes or motives or reasons why people give. And I'd love for you to just jot off to the side like also kind of what verse that was from. And we're going to kind of go down through that a little bit. And uh, you guys are going to tell me uh, some things that you learned. So I'm going to give you about five minutes or so to, to read that. So go ahead and... Verses 6 through 17.
Okay, so uh, what I'd like to do is uh, uh, we're going to kind of work through this from, from top to bottom. So we'll start at verse 6 and kind of work our way down. And we're just going to jot some, some things up on the screen there. So as you give me some information, Todd or whoever, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, we'll put those things up there. So, um, all right. Let's start in verse 6. Verse 6 or 7, anything there that uh, stands out to you in terms of an, an attitude or perspective towards giving that you see? Yes. Okay, they gave willingly. Okay, so verse 6, it says they gave willingly. Good. What else? Let's keep working down. Yeah. Rejoice. They rejoice, definitely. Okay. Uh, that's, I, saw, I saw that in verse 9. It says, the people rejoiced, for their leaders gave freely and wholeheartedly. The people rejoiced, for their leaders gave freely and wholeheartedly. And and a question I kind of had along with this is, um, those of us that have kids, what does it mean to a kid when they see their parents give joyfully? What do you think that does in a kid's heart? Yeah. Teaches them how important that is. Okay, teaches them how important it is. How many of you have seen your parents give joyfully? What did that do in you? You tend to have the same feeling. You want to follow your father's example or your mother's example. So they're doing that. Okay, yeah, yeah. You tend to follow their example. If it meant something to them, it might, if they see you doing it begrudgingly, then they might do it begrudgingly or not do it at all, right? Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, Peyton? It makes them what? Okay, yeah, makes, makes you as the kids kind of believe in it too, okay? Yeah, good. What else? Anything after verse 9 as we keep going down through? 10, 11, 12, 13, in that kind of area, what did you notice? Yeah. I'm sorry, say that a little bit louder. Okay, in verse 11, he thanked God for his grace. Yeah, what else? Yeah. Yeah, did it as an act of worship? Okay. Good. Yeah. And in verse 12, it started to talk about how it wasn't ours to begin with. It was God's in the first place, and it's just through grace we get it back. So that's a nice kind of interesting pale comparison of what you've already given to us. Great. Yeah, that was a theme that was in there. I, I noticed in, in verse 11, 12, 14, 16, um, it all, they all said something along the lines of wealth comes from you and belongs to you anyways. So that's a major attitude, perspective um, that I think is really challenging as I work with primarily a young congregation for people to understand is that our money isn't ours. The only reason that we have an income or money is because God has allowed us to. He's given us a job. He's given us the mental capacity to do that job or the skills or the abilities or whatever. And we are just stewards of what he's given us. We're not owners of it. So our job is to use what he's given us for his glory. 
So if it's not ours to begin with, then we, we ask the question, God, how can I give back to you what's already yours to begin with? <laughs> so you getting all that down, Chris? Yeah, it's an easy, easy train to follow, isn't it? Yeah, what else? Yeah, Stacy. Okay, so verse 14, she talked about just the, the humbleness that comes from this, the reality that we get to do this, that we get to be a part of that. Other things, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they said that the giving promoted a spirit of abundance instead of a, a scarcity spirit. Like, oh my gosh, we gave this much, now we've really got to watch out so that we make sure we have enough, right? Yeah, I saw again and again, we give you thanks. It was just a way of showing gratitude back to God. What about verse 17? What did you notice in there, Devin? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right. It says that God tests the heart. And it says he was pleased with their integrity, giving willingly and with honest intent. Yeah, not so that I can get something back, but just because of what God's already done. It's just a response. It's not, I'm going to do this so that this will happen. It's, this has already happened. God has already blessed me, loved me, laid his life down for me, so then I give back with no strings attached besides to just say thank you, okay? Good. Yeah, so this is one of the, the teacher tricks that I like to do. I used to be a teacher, okay? Is where I get you to tell me why this is a good thing instead of me giving a sermon on giving, right? Then it's my idea. Now it's your idea. You're telling me all these great things about giving. So I'm like, yeah, you guys, I, I believe in what you guys have discovered, right? So these are some different things, not only attitudes and approaches, but, but motives, what giving is, an act of worship, where it comes from. It comes from God anyways. We're just stewards of it. There's a humbleness that comes in the reality that we get to be a part of what God's doing in this world. Yeah, great stuff. And you know, God said of David, God said of David, he said, he is a man after my own heart. And one of the reasons why David was a man after God's own heart is because he reflected God in his giving nature. God, in his core, is a giver. And so as followers of Christ, as Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, and we are supposed to emulate uh, or do as Jesus did, well then, how could we not give generously? I mean, that is, that is part of who Christ is. And so if we're going to emulate him in this world and imitate him, then we have to be generous ourselves. Many of you guys are maybe familiar with the Great Commission. It's at the end of Jesus' uh, earthly life. He's already been resurrected. He's met with his disciples in his resurrected form and shared some kind of last thoughts with them before he gets taken up into heaven. 
And one of the last things he shares at the end of the book of Matthew is the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, this is what it says. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then there's this last part, this last verse that I think gets overlooked a lot. Verse 20, And teaching them, to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So we have a responsibility as followers of Christ, as disciples, to teach people who we are bringing up in in Christ to obey everything that God has commanded us. So for one, we need to be obeying it. We can't teach others to obey it if we're not doing it ourselves. And one of the things that Jesus commanded us to do was to give to tithe, to, to contribute to the work of God. You can look throughout the Gospels and you can see Jesus talking about money a lot. So it's something very important for us to, to wrestle with and, and to be obedient about, okay? So today, <clears throat> we're gonna kind of do something a little bit different. Um, I'm actually gonna introduce you to um, some Wellspring folks who uh, have been in our church for a while, um, and you can go ahead and get uh, some stools ready for us, Ryan. And uh, these folks, uh, Brady and Marissa Purvis and Allie Browning, um, have all been coming to Wellspring for a while, um, probably six or seven, eight years, all of you. Um, and they're all kind of in their late 20s, early 30s. And um, we're just going to interview them today because they all have been pretty faithful givers here. So we're just going to talk about that a little bit. They all didn't sleep much last night because they were kind of sick thinking about this. So make sure that he gets the short stool. There's a short stool. Is that uh, Marissa's on it now? So, all right, I'll just give these. That doesn't mean you have to start, but you just have it to, to start, okay? So um, what I would love to know uh, from all of you guys is just kind of what, what giving was like or was it a part of your life growing up? I don't know if you, you know, I don't know all of your stories in terms of if you grew up going to church, if that's something that you saw in your family, but what was kind of your perspective as a kid? How did that look in your family growing up? Um, I grew up in a really small church. Um, my parents gave every week. They always wrote a check out every week. But like you said, give joyfully. I never really saw that. It was, you know, who is always like, yes, write out a check. I just love it. So, um, you know, they just, every week, they, I, my mom would write out a check every Sunday morning, and they would go around with the communion plate, and they would just put the check in, just kind of like, to me, it was just something that they did. It wasn't anything that they loved to do. It was just something that they, I don't know if they really felt like they had to, but, I mean, it was what needed to get done to keep the church running. It was a congregation of maybe a total of like 30 people. So to keep the lights on and stuff like that, everyone kind of had to give or the church would just kind of get shut down. So I never really got like to see it really joyfully give, but, but at the same time, they just always did give. So I just knew, you know, as a kid that my parents gave. And, you know, as I got older, they started giving a little bit more money as my sisters started getting out of the house and they started getting a little bit more money. You know, they started, you know, giving a little bit more money, but, uh, um, that so there was, was definitely a sense of duty there, but maybe not the, the, the joyful, thankfulness yeah. or the joyfulness in that. Okay, yeah. good. Yep. Marissa, about you? Um, I remember my mom giving and putting the envelope in the little plate every so often, but it wasn't very um, frequent, and it wasn't always like every single Sunday. And I remember having those talks with us about um, we need to give some of our allowance or some of our Christmas money, but 
I wish there was more conversations about why are you giving and how much are you giving and that kind of thing. Okay. I grew up, and I went to church actually with a family friend um, until I was about nine years old, and then my mom joined the church, and every Sunday she would give me um, some money out of a jar, um, whether it was 25 cents, a dollar, or five dollars, so I knew it was important to give. Um, Again, with Marissa, we never really talked about why we gave, um, but my mom also, so she joined the church when I was nine, and she gave weekly. And then she would give in different ways, so she would do the adopt-a-family with our family and um, give back in other ways. So, Cool. Um, I'm interested, just Brady and Marissa, um, what, what was the um, decision-making process like for you guys? So, Because really, kind of no matter how we grew up, there comes a time when we become an adult, and that paycheck, quote-unquote, is ours, so to speak. And we have to make a decision as adults that this is something that I'm going to do. So what was that process like? And then maybe even as a husband and wife, um, what was that like? Were you guys kind of on the same page with that? Or how did that discussion go in the beginning there too? So, Okay. Well, we um, were in marriage counseling with Bob, actually. And we were reading mm-hmm. a book, um, Preparing for Marriage. And that's when we really learned that it is God's money. And I think that we had to change our mentality and our mindset to know that Every penny we earn is his, and we're trying to do things to honor him with that money. And so that helped because um, we just we wanted to give back to these organizations and the churches that were helping grow us spiritually. Um, so the first year, we were putting money in the box, and by the end of the year, we did our taxes and realized we rarely gave anything. And so we sat down together and talked about how much we made and what is about 10% of that. And then we decided what to give and how much to give to Wellspring. Um, And it really, we were kind of on the same page about, I mean, because we just knew we want to give this much and how is that going to look. And um, once we had decided all of those total numbers, we then, um, every time Brady gets paid, I go in and I give to God first. And for me, it's really like a physical act of I have to write that check out first, and then the rest of that is our income because I mean, I do, we just want to glorify him first through that money, and then the rest is ours. So, cool. did I answer all those? Anything to add to that, or the wife take care of it for you? <laughs> She's good? Yeah. All right, let's pass it down to, to Allie. What about for you? Like, when you got your first job and started bringing in an income, what was that process like of thinking, yeah, this is something I'm going to continue to do? Or So, I actually started going to Wellspring when I got my first job, so... Um, I sat down and figured, okay, I have rent, and I have a car payment, and I really want to give back um, to Wellspring because I truly believe in this church, and I believe the things that they do. So I just made it a part of my monthly budget, um, and I actually have my bank account. Just take it out every month so I don't forget. Um, But it was truly important to me to be able to give back to Wellspring. So it was just part of my my monthly budget. Mm. What has that been like, like setting up an automatic bank draft for kind of like, is that good for you? Is that worked? Is it? Yeah, it was, um, it was actually pretty easy, but then um, I get paid twice a month, so I just have it go out the first of the month, mm-hmm. and then it's okay. good from there. So you were telling me this morning um, about the Living Water trip you went on with us to El Salvador and yes. kind of how that impacted your view just on possessions in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I bought my first house uh, the first year that I had my job, and I decided um, I worked really hard at work. I traveled a lot, and um, I deserved to get new siding for that house. So I was 
thinking about doing that and doing some updates to my house, and it was about going to be about $7,000. Then I went to El Salvador, <laughs> and I completely, it just changed my world. I thought, okay, so I'm going to spend $7,000 for updates on my house, but a well is $5,000 to change an entire community. Um, so I think the mission trips have really just changed my perspective of materialistic things. Um, and so it's easier for me to give knowing that it's going to be changing someone's life and glorifying God. Yeah. It's difficult for us if, if, if you know, those of us, maybe those of you that maybe have never traveled before, um, you know, we can look at and compare ourselves to people right here in America and say, oh, well, I don't have as much as so-and-so down the street. And uh, when in reality, everybody in here is in the top 8% of wealth in the world. Um, so if you've gotten outside of the United States and you've seen the way most of the world lives, then you have an, a sense and understanding of you are wealthy. Um, whether you feel like you are in America or not, it's true compared to, to the rest of the world. So when you have that perspective of, wow, I've got, you know, when half the world lives on $2 a day, that puts some things in perspective about how much we have <laughs> and the choices that we make with that. So awesome. What I feel about, like I'm going to get more joy for giving water than putting siding on my house. So it feels better to, to be able to give back rather than to have, you know, a better house. So Yeah. For those of you that are in the siding business, I, we apologize. Sorry. That's, Sorry. Uh, I apologize. That's not against siding <laughs> at all. So um, <clears throat> God will provide. Brady, uh, what, what challenges have you guys uh, faced in, in giving? Have there ever been times where, um, you know, you've looked at things or been like, man, how are we going to do this? Or I don't know if you've ever had those conversations or... Um, yeah, we... Uh, oh, a year ago, last November, I ended up having to have back surgery. And uh, I had to... I couldn't go from work to from the middle of October till January 6th. I wasn't at work. And I mean, I luckily had some sick time saved up. But I mean, it completely depleted all of that. And just... Um, we kind of got to the point where I... We really lived on the overtime I made. Everything else was just, you know... I mean, it was just, that was ours, but, like, the overtime is what kind of got us through. So to go through for two and a half months of no overtime, I mean, it was like, well, you know, we could always just not give to Wellspring as much or something like that. And, I mean, it was just the challenges. You know, we had a young baby, and we had another toddler, and, you know, you're buying diapers and all stuff, and it's just like, well, where can we cut corners to do it? So, I mean, that was one of our biggest challenge to do that, and, you know, look at that savings account go down, and you're just like, well, we, you know, and that was our, probably our biggest challenge. And then to just go ahead and be like, no, we just got to pay Wellspring. We just got to do it. You know, God will provide, and we just kept doing that. And then as soon as I went back to work, I mean, it just, the overtime just hit me, and it just, I mean, God provided us to help us get back to where we needed to. And, I mean, as much as we stressed about it through those two and a half months, like, as soon as we got back, God was like, okay, now you're back, let's, let's roll, we'll get you back where you want to be, and, you know, you were faithful to us, so I'm going to be faithful to you, so. Good, great. Allie, you want to just share, just kind of in closing a little bit, like, what, what advice would you give to, to young adults? We've got a lot of folks here that are in high school or college or getting their first jobs or will be someday. Um, what advice would you give to them? Um, as a single person, you know, I don't have a lot of bills for children or um, things like that. So um, it would be really easy to spend a lot of money on things that I want. 
Um, my advice would be to just open your eyes to the world and to the things that um, are happening because we are all so blessed and fortunate to um, have be blessed by God, and um, there's a lot of people that are less fortunate than us. So just open your eyes and your heart and then just budget it. Make it the, the top priority, the very first thing that you give um, during the month. So. Cool. about you guys? What advice would you guys give? Um, for us, I think our, our biggest thing was, you know, it's not, it's not our money. I mean, it, we just read it. You know, God provides us with everything. He provides us with that money. It's never ours. Um, so, I mean, it's our job to be our steward. I mean, just, just never once think that it's yours. He is providing you with everything that you have. I mean, it's, it's all his money, and we wouldn't be anywhere without him. And it's, I mean, so my advice is to give because it's, he's never going to put you in a position that you can't handle. So, I mean, if, if he's putting you in a position, he thinks you can handle it. And in the long run, it's going to work out. Just have faith in God, and it'll all work out. Super. Thank you, guys. Let's give them a round of applause. Well, one of the things I think that, that's in that story of just, you know, there are different realities. Like I said, Allie's single and, and has a, a good career, and um, is that it's kind of one of those letter of the law, spirit of the law questions. For Allie, 10% uh, might not be that generous, honestly. You know, maybe for her, um, she could give 20%, uh, depending on what her expenses are that month. Um, so it's really more important to, to ask God, what does it look like for me to be generous back to you? And if it, I've always kind of heard if it doesn't hurt a little bit, then you probably need to push yourself um, in giving if it needs to be sacrificial in some way. Um, for other folks who maybe they have lost a job or just going through a tough time, like 5% might be really generous. And so it's, it's not so much important to, to focus on a, a specific number as much as it is the heart behind why you're doing it to begin with and, and just how you want to honor God through that. One of the things that I've shared with you guys before um, is that there is no shortage of money in this world. The, the, the statistics that I've seen um, show anywhere from the, that Christians give, on average, anywhere between 2 and 4% of their income. If every Christian gave 10% and just was obedient to God in that way, we would be able to wipe out hunger, clean water problems, uh, you know, dying of diseases we could get inoculated for if we just, you know, had the money to send to those countries, you know, AIDS medicine for everybody that had it. I mean, the things that could be done. And so God chooses to wait for his people to be obedient, which means that there are people in this world that suffer the consequences of our disobedience at times. And so that's just something to think about, you know, um, that, that, that our disobedience at times can, can cause others to suffer in the same way. You know, it goes both ways, too. Um, as we look at our, our budget in the year ahead, I mean, there are things that we would like to do. Uh, we would love to invest more money in our neighborhood. We would love to have uh, more ministry starting like, like our guest house uh, that's, that's meeting the needs of people here. Um, I'm getting ready to meet after church today with Taylor and Blair Kennedy, who are going to be leaving in a couple of years for West Africa with Pioneer Bible Translators. And, and as a church, we're going to support them. And um, if I had to tell you where is that money going to come from right now, 
I couldn't tell you, but I know that we're going to do it, and I know God's going to provide. And so there's things that we want to do to be a blessing to others. Um, So as you look around, I hope you're encouraged each week as you come to Wellspring um, that you're not walking into a multi-million dollar building and that we aren't putting blueprints up of how we want to have a new whatever here. Um, We're in this building for a reason. It was cheap, and we love the the neighborhood that we're in, and it provides us the opportunity to use our resources uh, for staffing that can care for people and for missions and what's going on in our world and in our neighborhood. And so I hope you're encouraged by that and you have the opportunity here in the next couple of weeks to come and find out a little bit more about how you can partner with God in that. So thanks for listening today uh, to this message. And I'm going to close this out in prayer and then we'll uh, finish up with some worship today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this story uh, this morning in, in Chronicles, God. Just about um, David's heart and the heart of the leaders of Israel as they took a look at at their story and how you had provided for them so graciously. God, they just wanted to be a blessing back to you. And uh, just the the heart of joy, the willingness, how freely they gave. Um, And God, just this understanding that they had that it it was yours to begin with. And Lord, for a lot of us, I didn't grow up going to church. I didn't grow up in a family that, that gave. Um, and so it was a, a process of learning how to do that, a process of learning that I didn't really need the next whatever, <laughs> that I didn't need to live in this neighborhood or drive this car or whatever, Lord, that to begin to make decisions about, you know, will we'll getting that house or that car or going on that trip, how will that impact my ability to, to give? And will I still give freely and give generously? Um, and so, God, I pray that that would be our heart, Lord. Wherever it is that we land in terms of numbers or percentages, God, we would just be obedient to you, and we would do it out of a, a sense of gratitude for what you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for how you provided for Wellspring for the last eight years, and we know you're going to continue to do the same. So we love you, and uh, just give this, uh, the rest of this time to you this morning as we close. In Jesus' name, amen.